Welcome to the Story Forest, original tales for curious and adventurous children. George is reluctantly spending his half-term holiday at a very old castle ruin, but when he goes to sleep he wakes up in the past, seemingly with a quest to help a mysterious girl called Clara in our brand new series, The Night Castle. Written by Anna Roberts and read by her favourite storyteller in the world, her mother, Pam McNaughton. Clara in the Cupboard George climbed into the car and strapped himself in, while Mum ran through the list of things that she might possibly have forgotten. The list got longer every time they went anywhere, because she was always forgetting something new. This time George had packed for himself. He was pretty sure that he wasn't missing anything. And this time it was very important that he wasn't missing anything. This half-term, some of his friends were flying away to stay somewhere hot, which would be welcome as the weather had turned cold so quickly this year. Some friends were going to stay with grandparents, where they said they would be spoiled rotten. Some friends were just staying at home, But George thought he'd even prefer that than what he was going to do. Playing football in the park, playing video games with his friends, anything had to be better than this. So he'd packed a bag completely full of books and games and anything to keep him occupied. Mum climbed into the car looking pleased with herself. She had fastened her seatbelt and turned on the engine before George looked up at her and shook his head slightly. Mum, your glasses... Mum gave a half laugh, then reached her hand up to her head where she found no glasses. Oh dear. And then she was out again. It took her another 20 minutes to find her glasses. And so by the time the car started and they started munching their traditional road trip pizza, now cold, the sky was getting darker. As the car trundled along the roads and reached the motorway, the sky changed into colours and patterns that stretched the whole way across. Every time George looked up, it was different. It was so amazing that it was starting to get a bit difficult to be grumpy. What's up with this castle then, Mum? Mum gave George a quick glance and smile, and then she was off. This was what George was doing with his autumn half-term holiday. As all his friends lived their amazing, fun, sociable lives, he was going with his history professor mum on a research trip to a remote castle. It's a very interesting castle because not much was changed at all after the Tudors. Of course, there isn't much of it left, but still the building styles and... George wished he hadn't asked... Mum was going on and on about Tudor construction now, and he sighed. She looked at him again, then laughed. I know all of that stuff is pretty boring to you, but that's what my paper is on. But there's another reason we're going. I've not told anyone, but it's a historical puzzle that has always got to me. It's only a small one. The sky was quite dark now. George felt, even though he didn't want to, the thrill of a night journey. The road ahead of them illuminated by the headlights, the dark shapes speeding past them, holding who knew what. Mum had stopped speaking. There was a glint in her eye, and George could tell that she was trying to draw him into her mystery, and he couldn't help it. What is it? Are you sure you want to know? 
There's got to be something to make up for going to an old tumble-down castle for my holiday, he said, and Mum laughed. Well, all right then, here's the mystery. The family had a cousin who came to stay, a girl called Clara. She would have been a bit younger than you. She's in the records, and then she vanishes, never to be mentioned again. I want to know what happened to her. George sighed. I was hoping for monsters, Mum. She laughed again, and then they talked and laughed more, and then George fell asleep as Mum drove through the night. Next thing he knew, Mum was waking him up. Come on, George. She shook him gently and undid his seatbelt and took his arm. Still half asleep, he let her lead him up a slope to the top of a hill. The moon shone bright overhead, and hit by the cold air and the strong breeze, George started to notice their surroundings for the first time. They were on a cliff. The sky was almost clear, with a few clouds wisping on the edges of his vision. The moonlight caught on the waves of the sea, stretching out everywhere. And right in front of him stood a hill, away from the land, so that the sea was in between, although it wouldn't be in all tides. On top was a silhouette of what must be Cawthon Castle, varied and tumble-down and dark against the sky. Mum grinned. George knew she was happy, happy to be away from lectures and libraries and able to study and work here in the castle in the sea. He wouldn't have told his friends, but George had to agree that it was actually pretty cool. Mum took his hand again. You'll be exhausted tomorrow. Let's find the cottage. Mum had booked a cottage as close to the castle as possible, and they had to drive only a minute or two to find it. It was small and neat, and yawning, George found his way into one of the rooms, pulled off his clothes, and collapsed into sleep on the bed. He woke to sunlight. The room was warm and bright, and George thought he must have slept for a long time. It was dark in the mornings at the moment. He looked around the room. He hadn't looked at it very closely the night before, but still he didn't remember it looking like this. The walls were rough stone. The only furniture was a sort of cupboard. The bed wasn't hugely comfortable and was quite short. George scrambled to his feet. The floor was stone and was cold. He frowned and wandered over to the cupboard. Everything looked very old. And George was reminded of the times that his mum had taken him to historical reenactments or museums or old castles. Just like mum to choose somewhere like this. He only hoped that it had internet and TV like she had promised. A cold breeze came in through the window and he went to close it, but found no glass, just a hole in the wall. And then he looked outside. The sea stretched away in front of him and cliffs ranged dramatically along the coastline. But George was pretty sure that he was in the wrong place. Why was he facing the land? He went and opened the wardrobe. It was full of old clothes, the types that would be in the books and paintings that his mum poured over. He heard a voice that wasn't mum. It sounded strange, like it was someone with an accent, but not one he had ever heard before. After a little while, his mind seemed to click into it, and suddenly it seemed normal. It was someone talking about collecting eggs. 
George was beginning to realise that something very, very strange was going on. He sighed and shivered. He thought for a moment, then went back to the wardrobe. He ended up wearing some funny shorts that reached just below his knees, a tunic and a small waistcoat, long socks and some shoes that were only a bit too big. He looked down at himself and gave a sort of snort. He was glad that his friends couldn't see him. He went out the doorway and found a long corridor and he knew straight away that this wasn't the cottage. He started to walk along the corridor, choosing to go right for no real reason. There were doors on one side of the corridor like his and small windows the other side. He looked through these into a large square courtyard which was bustling with people, all in old-fashioned clothes too. He sighed and then heard footsteps and the boom of a man's voice. He didn't feel ready to meet anyone yet and the footsteps were definitely coming towards him. He chose a door and praying that there would be no one inside, opened it. It was another room like his. He almost hid in there, but then had the terrible thought that these people may very well be coming to that room. He tried the next door and the footsteps got closer and closer. Inside was what was unmistakably a cupboard. He breathed out in relief, stepped inside and pulled the door closed, hearing the footsteps go past and calming his breathing. And then he heard another sound, a sort of squeaky, muffled sound. The sound someone made when they were trying very hard not to cry. It was coming from behind him. He turned and his eyes were met by a strange red glow coming from the back corner of the cupboard. And above it a small face with big eyes and messy hair and tears rolling down the cheeks. It was a girl. The glow faded. George thought he'd better speak first. Ah. Uh, Hello, I'm, I'm sorry, I... He stopped. He didn't really know what on earth he should say. You've come to help me, the girl spoke. I'm Clara. I wished on my wishing box like my mother told me to, and here you are to help. George's heart began to thud all over again. I, I'm really sorry, but um, I, I don't even know where I am or what is going on. Is everyone here dressing up or something? This made Clara sniffle again. She managed to recover herself. That's just the problem. I only got here this morning and I have to go to this great feast this evening. But my big chest of clothes has disappeared and the dress I'm wearing is muddy and I'm going to look terrible and... Now she cried again. George's mind was working furiously in two directions. One part of him was still trying to work out what on earth was going on. Was Clara for real? Was this for real? What on earth had happened and where was his mum? The other part, the part of him which loved playing video games, had done something strange. Like when you receive the first quest in a game, part of his mind had heard the problem. Clara needed a dress. And that part of him was already thinking about how they might be able to find one and about the dangers they might face and about what they might need. But Clara was still crying. George felt as though he'd better say something. Well, I suppose I can try to help you, but I'm not sure if I can. I am sure. Clara's tears were gone again and George could tell in the small amount of light left in the cupboard that she was getting to her feet. My wishing box wouldn't have brought you here if you couldn't. 
George listened to this again more properly. She had wished on a wishing box. Surely this couldn't be true. And would the wishing box be able to send him home again? He shook his head, putting that thought aside for now. Come on then. He took a deep breath and then opened the door. There was no one there and he stepped out into the corridor and Clara followed him. He looked at her properly. She was a little shorter than him, with a fancy-looking old dress which was indeed covered in mud. She had a small upturned nose, long brown hair and brown eyes. He felt her looking at him too and heard her give a little sniff. She had obviously expected more. I'm George. He realised that he hadn't told her that. I suppose we should look for wherever people do the laundry, washing clothes and stuff. Where's that? Clara gave him a glare. I only arrived here today too, remember? George sighed. He didn't feel as though she was being very helpful. Right, I suppose we will have to explore. Come on then. She looked at him expectantly and he started along the corridor, really hoping they weren't going to meet anyone just yet. They came to the end of the passage, which turned right into another one, and faced them with a selection of doors. George glanced at Clara, who wasn't doing anything. He rolled his eyes, then chose the smaller door, guessing that it might be the better way to go. They went into a smaller corridor, and then very suddenly there was a woman in front of them. She wore an apron and looked hot and bothered. George made a quick decision and spoke, all in a rush, so the words ran together. Where are the clothes washed, please? The woman looked at him, and George shrank a little. She looked cross. Keep going, you'll find it. Not washed day to day, mind. And then she was gone. George turned to Clara, who gave him a little smile, and then they carried on down the corridor. How can your clothes have disappeared anyway? George asked Clara, speaking quietly. I don't know. Clara spoke softly too. They were on the cart when we arrived. My cousin said he would look after them. Cousin Griffin. She said the name carefully, as though she were trying it out. Hmm. And have you tried to find him? George was forging through the corridor. There were people around and ahead now, all dressed in old-fashioned clothes, all carrying things that were unfamiliar but there were very good smells of meat and spices and pastry all around now too. They must be coming closer to the kitchens. I did try, Clara said a little petulantly, but he kept running away when I got close and he was laughing. Well, that's what it looked like. George frowned. They finally came to a room with some large wooden tubs in and other big wooden things and some clothes hanging up to dry. There was no one there. George looked at Clara. Any idea how to do this? She looked stupefied. Do you really think I've ever washed my own clothes? So George found a cloth, dipped it in some water and rubbed it with something that smelled nice-ish, hoping it was soap. He handed it to Clara and told her to rub it over the mud on her dress. But it just got worse and worse. The mud spread and even the areas that the water touched looked worse than they had before. Clara stopped and flung the cloth down. Well, you've not been much help really, have you? She stared at him accusingly and he shook his head. Clara, I have no idea why I'm here. 
I woke up in this completely different world and I don't know where my mum is and there was you demanding I help you. I've done my best. Well, at least you still have a mum, Clara shouted back, stomping her foot. My mother and my father are dead and now I have to live here where I don't know anyone and now I have to meet everyone looking like a muddy puddle. And then she was crying all over again. George knew he should have felt sorry for her, but instead he just felt a surge of irritation. How could one person possibly cry so much in one day? What's all this noise? George spun round. A man had come into the room, a man with a long black robe and a friendly face. George realised it was the first friendly face he had seen since he arrived in this strange place, and he warmed to the man immediately. Can I help? Clara was still sobbing, so George explained the problem as best he could, trying to leave out mention of the stranger things, such as him being from what was almost certainly the future. The man frowned. I think that I can help. Welcome to Clarthen Castle, Clara Greville. I am the priest here. My name is Thomas. You, boy, there is something strange about you, but welcome, nevertheless. George found himself giving a bow, having absolutely no idea whether it was the right thing to do. He looked over to Clara, who was now smiling prettily. Well met, Sir Thomas. He gave her a smile. Now, let us see what we can do about a dress. I suspect that Griffin may be best placed to advise us, but I am sure he is engaged. Come with me. The priest led them back the way they had come, and then further into the castle, passing many rooms, some full of people, some with tapestries and paintings and ornaments and elaborate-looking furniture. They came, finally, to a bedroom. It was far grander than the one George had woken up in, with a four-poster bed, great furniture and coloured patterned fabrics everywhere. But it seemed strange, untouched, slightly dusty, Obviously, no one slept here. The priest went to a wardrobe and opened it and started looking through the clothes. Your aunt used this room, Clara, when she was alive. She was a small woman, and I believe even kept some of her dresses from when she was a girl. Yes, here we are. He drew out a few dresses and laid them on the bed. I suppose you can manage to try them on. George and I will wait outside. George obeyed and they closed the door behind them. As soon as they were alone, the priest looked at George closely. What has happened to you then, George? His face was kind and his brows furrowed in concern. In the middle of everything going on, George felt as though this man would really listen. And so, in halting words, he tried to explain. He finished. He had no idea what the priest would make of it. He looked up. The priest looked thoughtful. It's certainly true that Clara will need some help. Still, it puts you in a tricky situation, does it not? But I suspect it will all work out for good. Yes. He gave George a smile and then the door opened and Clara appeared. She had on a dress that was only a little too big and had managed to make her hair look more presentable and she looked altogether much more cheerful. That's better, the priest said with a smile and George smiled too. Thomas continued, shall I show the two of you around the castle? Yes, please, Clara said politely, and then the two of them set off. 
Clara gave George a rather smug smile over her shoulder, and he followed them. But as he did, the corridor started to blur, and he felt very, very strange. And then it all disappeared. The next thing he knew was a knock on the door and his mum coming into the room with a bacon sandwich and a smile, and it was his room with his stuff in it. He sat up and looked around, then jumped out of bed and gave his mum a big, big hug. Then something clicked in his mind. Clara. Clara was the name of mum's mystery girl. And he had found Clara in the cupboard. The end. Thanks for listening. What do you like about castles? We'd love to hear all about it. Don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends. Thank you.